0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And a big show today, guys. We got Paul Feinbaum joining us later on in the show. That's going to be awesome. Uh, But first, let's go ahead and let's talk about Sark. He has a press conference at 11 o'clock. Anything that y'all two are looking uh, or hoping to hear maybe from that press conference?
1: I think uh, general health of C.J. Baxter, if that's updated, Bobby, um, you know, where's he at? Um, is he expected to play this week? I think it'll be a question asked to Sark today. Uh, maybe Maurice Blackwell is uh, too, because they were both listed as day-to-day, headed into the week. Um, and I think we're hearing it's 50-50, uh, whether those guys play. Um, so I think those two questions uh, will be will be asked early on, Bobby. Uh, you know, the other thing
2: I'm interested in, uh, and Eric Nolien of Inside Texas brought this up yesterday, and we've talked about it on some shows with with Rod Babers, et cetera. Texas and and how do they deal with complacency? Um, I, I think that Steve Sarkeesian is probably going to get asked that question in today's press conference. Uh, some practices early this week we heard may have not been up to his uh, liking. Uh, and so how do the Longhorns really deal with that, Jerry, uh, going forward after such a big win in Tuscaloosa? I mean. It is a, uh, by all accounts, a program-changing win. But it all goes for naught if Texas slips up against a team like Wyoming on Saturday. So uh, that's got to be something I'm going to be listening for in that, that uh, uh, press conference as well. And, he, and might get, he
1: might get a question about the weather, possible rainy conditions Saturday, too. Yep, it's going to be, uh, they're still saying 84 at kickoff, and I looked it
2: up this morning, 30% uh, chance of scattered thunderstorms but it's really 90% chance of rain throughout the day. Yeah. So it could make for a little slippery field as well uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, also, guys, uh, our friend Urban Meyer, uh came out yesterday uh, and said, Texas, quote, I think may be the best team in the country. Now, the, the question we have, it's awfully early to be making those sorts of statements. <laughs> uh, I definitely think Texas has uh, the personnel. Uh, we talked about that all offseason, how we thought Texas – matched up personnel-wise, but boy, I I tell you what, the best uh, in the country right now after that win, I'm not, I'm not so sure. It's probably the most impressive win going into Bryant-Denny with 100,000 people uh, and winning uh, that game, but man, that's, those are, those are big words uh, for a guy that's uh, won a few national championships.
1: Does that mean he was back in Austin and looked under the hood again and didn't see an oil leak? (laughs)
2: Jerry, Jerry, are you saying that Urban Meyer maybe like if if Steve Sarkeesian happens to
1: to to uh,
2: go 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 to the pros or something like that, that Urban Meyer might be interested in?
1: The I think you might want, want to take a look. look under the hood again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently he thought it wasn't good enough last time. Now he yeah. thinks
2: it. Now he thinks it is. Maybe, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs>
0: Well, hey Jerry, you posted some uh, some big recruiting news over you know since last night, I guess you could say um, about a couple of prospects that are going to be visiting for the Texas game. Can you go over that for those that haven't read it over on InsideTexas.com?
1: Yeah, I spoke with Solomon Williams, four-star edge prospect out of Tampa Carrollwood Day Sunday after Texas beat Bama, and and he said he was looking at either official visit for the Wyoming game or the Kansas game, and that was dependent on his mom's work schedule. He texted me uh last night and said he's coming in this weekend officially. Uh so his mom, mom's schedule uh can make that work. So Solomon Williams will be in officially uh this week. And I think it's I think it's really good for Texas to get him in the week after Bama, the night a night game, LED lights, the fans are gonna be, I think, off the chain um at Bevo Boulevard Saturday, rain or shine and, and in the stadium. I think this team, when they run out from under the tunnel, is gonna get the loudest ovation in a few years um, in, in DKR. So I think it's a great game to have kids at, um, Solomon Williams will make an official visit to Oregon next week when Deion Sanders rolls in the Eugene. So Solomon gets back to back game day atmospheres that are going to be pretty crazy, I think. Um, and then A&M still visit possibility, I, but I really think this is a Alabama, Texas, Oregon is the three teams right now. Uh, from where Solomon will choose from eventually. Then DeCorian Moore, LSU commit five-star receiver out of uh, Duncanville High. Uh, he's going to be in unofficially. He was at uh, LSU, I think, believe last weekend um, or maybe for the season opener, uh, but he'll be in Austin. He told me he will be in Austin Saturday. So one of the top receivers in the country, I think Ryan Williams and Decorian Moore, the top two receivers in the country in the 25 class. Ryan Williams could reclass the 24, obviously. Uh, but and Moore... The LSU commitment will be in town Saturday. We believe there's a pretty good chance Colin Simmons will be there as well. Possibility Kobe Black is there. Possibility Terry Bussey's there. Um, that that visit, visitor list is growing uh, by the day. Uh, Michael Fasusi, a number of really talented offensive linemen in 2025, are scheduled to be in Austin Saturday as well. A lot of commitments. Daniel Cruz, Trey Owens. Uh, Some guys like that. I think DeAndre Robinson may make it in uh, this weekend as well. Uh, He's supposed to tell me, um, he's supposed to tell me, confirm that later today. Um, So, yeah, a lot lot going on in the recruiting world. Uh, Had a lot of stuff over at Inside Texas. I'm going to have another little uh, update on a couple other guys here coming up uh, prior on 11 at Inside Texas.
2: That's good stuff, Jerry. Hey, Jerry, uh, Ryan Wingo.
1: We've obviously going about this. in this weekend. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about him quite a bit. Five-star receiver out of St. Louis uh, University High School uh, there. You know, Texas has been, Steve, you mentioned this two or three months ago. You thought it was interesting how Steve Sarkeesian uh, has been leading that recruitment from the very, very beginning. Yeah. And through multiple receivers, coaches, the two receivers, coaches at Texas, is this one a guy that just Sark and the staff have honed in on from the very beginning?
1: Yeah, I think so. And 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 that's the thing is if people have to understand that Sark is involved in some other recruitments, but Sark was very much involved in Colin Simmons. He's very much involved in Ryan Wingo. You know, a head coach has a lot on his plate, but when they're very much involved in these recruitments, it tells you how that these guys are the number one targets on the board at their position. That's just reality. Um, and I think Sark, uh, having that relationship that started when Ryan Wingo unofficially visited in June of 2022, the weekend that Arch Manning, Malik Muhammad, a lot of those guys, I believe Anthony Hill, they all had official visits to Texas that weekend. Um, So it started then, Sarks having that relationship with Wingo was helpful in that transition through his wide receiver coaching change from Brennan Marion to Chris Jackson. Now Chris Jackson obviously has become part of that recruitment. Uh, But I, I think that means a lot to Ryan and the family. Um, and there are no zero questions uh, how much uh, Texas and Sarkeesian want Ryan Wingo to be part of this offense in the future. And I think Texas is inviting to him because, you, I mean, just look what A.D. Mitchell's doing. Right. And look what Xavier Worthy's doing, even though he's different type of receiver from Xavier Worthy. Texas is about to have two guys drafted, maybe three with Jordan Whittington. Um, so it, it, it and with those guys leaving after the expected to leave after after this year. Being an early high school graduate, that has some appeal as well uh, to Ryan Wingo. I think when the NIL legislation uh, went through in the state of Missouri, people just figured he might go to Missouri. The only question I would ask is, if he was going to go to Missouri, why didn't he jump in immediately like Williams and Warren Harry did? We'll see. All
0: right, Jerry, I got a couple of recruiting questions for you. Um, I know you talked about the Wyoming visitor list, but Two Broke to Pay Attention says, could we see any surprise visitors possibly show up? Yes, <laughs> simple as that. Are yes. you? Are
2: you leaving that? Are you leaving that? Uh, let's let's be clear. Are you leaving that? Notori? Are purposely vague at this point, Jerry?
1: Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. I'm going to post an updated visitors listed inside Texas uh, here in a little while. Um, but yeah, I am because look, it's some some of these plans come together a little late. Um, but I will say this: if it's not this weekend, September 30th, for sure. Interesting the Kansas game. That's been the uh, big official visit weekend for Texas with 2024s. Texas is, is, Texas hasn't given up on getting DeAndre Carter in September 30th. I, I think there's 50-50 shot. At least he's showing up. And he's committed to Auburn right now, right? He's committed, committed to it? Auburn, yep. Uh, Miles right. Davis, by the way, I, 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 there's been so much going on in recruiting. Miles Davis uh, uh, re- reported yesterday on Inside Texas. He, he told me yesterday he's visiting for the Texas Tech game. That's a ways off, but – also telling. Yep, and he's a safety from Converse, Converse Judson that is
2: currently committed to Texas A&M. Correct.
1: So Jerry, what we're
2: seeing, I mean, Texas is at 17 commitments right now. And based on the win at Alabama, uh, you're seeing the boat get a little, <laughs> it's, the possibility now is not so much where's Texas going to finish in recruiting, but who they're going to finish with. Because if they continue on this trajectory, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian is going to have some decisions to make. Yeah, that's what's really going to happen. And he's already made one. It looks like they're saying Josh Lair, the safety out of Fort Ben Marshall, they're not, it doesn't look like Texas
1: is really pushing on, and he's likely to end up at Washington at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he commits on September 24th. He visited Washington last weekend. Um, you know, I, I don't, it, it'd be tough to see a scenario where they take both him and Miles Davis if Miles Davis won the flip. Uh, so I think it'll be very telling uh, what Josh Lair decides on the 24th.
0: And then you were, you were talking about um, Solomon Williams just a minute ago, and we have a question regarding that from Steve O'Matic. He wants to know, who would you compare Solomon Williams to? Body type looks a lot like Finkley and K. Ross, compact and burly rather than long and lean. Your thoughts? I think he's built like Finkley, but
1: he's got a little bit longer arms and more natural burst as an edge rusher. So body type like Finkley, but pass rush skill. Where Finkley's more of an anchor guy, strong against the run, uh, sets the edge. Um, I, I think that uh, I think that Solomon Williams has a lot of natural pass rush ability to him that can really um, that that can really be molded.
0: He's got a lot. Uh, Trey Douglas, yes, to answer your question. All right, guys, before we move on, don't forget we have Paul Feinbaum coming up at 8 30. You guys do not want to miss that at all. But I need to let everybody know about Prize Picks real quick. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You just pick two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their prize picks projection, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play, and it takes almost no time which is helpful to somebody like me that's always on the go. I can make my picks, submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Prize picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience as well. You can watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. Tonight, I'm all over that Thursday night football action on Prize Picks. I'll be taking Justin Jefferson to go over 93 yards and Jordan Addison to have over 40 receiving yards. So if you want to join me, you can go to prizepickscom slash ontexas. Use promo code on Texas for a first deposit match up to $100. And remember, PrizePix, they offer projections on any sport that you watch, including college football, and it adds a ton of excitement to the experience, which is why I personally love it. prizepickscom slash ONTEXAS, promo code on texas You'll get a first deposit match of up to $100. That's PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. So we want to thank them for sponsoring our show today right here on Coffee and Football. All right, guys, let's get to some more questions here. And Tyler large has one. He needs some advice. He says me and my fiance are going to our first game in Austin for the tech game. Any recommendations for a tailgate and stuff to do during that weekend? Well,
2: I'll tell you what they've got. uh, If it's been a while since you've been to tailgates in Austin, they've uh, Chris Del Conte uh, and the athletic department have totally rearranged what used to occur. Uh, Now the LBJ lawn is a primary venue for major tailgates. Uh, Running in front of the the stadium as well uh, on the north and west side uh, is Bevo Boulevard uh, and adjacent with some rides if you're bringing young kids. It sounds like you don't have young kids if you are you got a fiancé you're bringing. uh, But there will be open tailgates. Uh, There will be a concert most likely uh, being held as well uh, on the LBJ lawn that you're welcome to attend. Uh, It is just a a completely and utterly changed venue now for Texas athletics. Uh, A lot of stuff to do. Uh, I You know, the week at the day after Thanksgiving is kind of odd because I, I will say this going back to my time at the university. It, it's a lot of students go home. Right. For for the Thanksgiving holidays. Some stay. If Texas is having a good year, most stay. That's how it works. Right. And so we'll see what what it looks like. But uh, a lot of places to go downtown. Downtown Austin has totally been reconfigured in the last 10 to 15 years with the amazing growth in the city as well. Just so much stuff to do. It's no longer just Sixth Street. It's the whole downtown area uh, that is absolutely fantastic. Rainy Street is a big a big area to go to that I think is more in line with a somewhere you'd want to take a fiance. Look that up and there's like a dozen or, or 15 to 20 places. Everything from a nice place to eat to a good bar afterwards over on Rainy Street as well.
1: Okay, um, we gotta, somebody asked, uh, Ski Burke asked about uh list of wide receivers coming to the game Saturday. I'm gonna have a list at inside Texas later, broken down by position today. All
0: right, guys, we got a super chat we need to read real quick here from Bo. He says, Good morning. Long he meant Longhorn Nation, I assume, instead of London Nation. Bobby, Jerry, Blake, and Matthew, hook them. We thank you, Bo. We appreciate it. Hook them, Bo. <laughs> All right, let's move on here, guys. And we talked about complacency, you know, what y'all are hoping to hear from Sark. But Vivek B says, if the team didn't practice the start, start standard earlier this week, do you guys worry we might fall flat with complacency?
2: Absolutely. I do. I, Jerry's shaking his head. So do, for those people listening on the uh, radio or on uh, uh, to the podcast, I, I I actually am worried about complac- complacency. But uh, to be clear, I'm, a, I'm an ardent worrier. <laughs> like, that's who I am. Uh, I over worry. But yeah, I mean, look. It's something that can happen. Um, Texas is heavily favored in this game. They're not kind of favored. Texas is favored by 28 and a half. The, the line opened at 27 and a half. So it's not like the line has moved this gigantic amount or something um, after the Alabama win and the and the, the uh, result of that. I just feel like uh, at Blake and Jerry that, you know, that's what Sark's going to have to deal with from here on. It's not just this week. If Texas keeps winning, which they're expected to do this weekend, they're going to have to worry about that each and every week. It's like uh, Brian Irwin, the coach that comes on on lunch with a coach and, and does some stuff. He'll be on tomorrow morning, uh, by the way, with us on coffee and football. He's, he talks about how he used to tell his kids, don't smell yourself. Get back to work. You know, don't don't think you're all that. And and that's what I, I, I'm concerned with. Because, again, these guys aren't pros. Right, they're not 25 year old, 27 year old guys. They're 18 to 22 year olds that are dealing with the biggest venue they've ever had in life. It's not like they were in, in this high school that had national attention. Not many of them, at least. And they're also young and not, you know, fully developed mentally and all this other stuff. So yes, I worry
1: personally about complacency. Uh, so Bobby, now a little different on that. I I think. A not great Monday practice sets really well up really well for the coaching staff the rest of the week because they can get some hammer, some points home. Uh, I think this week, though, I think the crowd, I I think when these guys get, I've said it before, when these guys get off the bus on Bevo Boulevard, it's going to be rocking, even if it's sprinkling. I think when these guys run out from under that tunnel Saturday, it's going to be an ovation. Haven't heard it uh, DKR in a while. Um, I think that adrenaline is going to get these guys ramped up and ready for saturday and i think i but i agree with bobby i think you could see a monday tuesday some not great practices but that's great for coaching as well but then i think this team's going to get locked in as the week goes on um i mean look i don't think they'll there'll be complacency at baylor baylor may not look great on tape but it's the first big 12 game um next week in waco on the road and these texas kids look they're all media smart media savvy kids nowadays they know This is the last year in the big 12 and these in-state schools would like nothing more than to beat them. Uh, So I think it's going to get these kids. I think they're going to be ready to roll. That doesn't mean every early week practice, early weekday practice is going to be their best though.
2: Hey, I want to say, uh, but before we go to this next question, I want to, I did some uh, recon on Wyoming this past week uh, and against Texas tech. I want to, The one guy that I am concerned with at Wyoming is on off on offense is the quarterback, Andrew Peasley. Uh, He was 18 of 34 against Tech, two TDs, no interceptions. Um, But what's interesting about him, uh, as his coach called him tough as boot leather, uh, he of the conversions, they had 24 first downs and the double overtime win. He ran for seven of those and or scored a touchdown on seven of those. So. Let's let's be clear. It's not just his arm. It's really his ball control. And he's not going to go for a 30 yard run either. He's not that type. He's going to go for the seven yard run that, that converts on third and four. So just keep that in mind. That's one of the guys that I am worried about uh, and that Texas will have to corral uh, against Wyoming.
0: All right, we got a super chat here from freelance society, freelance society. Excuse me, thank you. And he says, "I can see the corner blitz will be used a lot versus Wyoming. Who is our best corner for that?"
2: Boy, I mean, I'm tempted to just say Ryan Watts, and day. I,
1: <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, I think Ryan Watts is the best because he hits like a linebacker on contact. I think he he gets your quarterback to the ground. I mean, Bryce Young. People are going to say Bryce Young now. Bryce Young. Uh, he, he made a move like he was on dancing with the stars. Okay. I mean, let's be real. Uh, that guy's a little different. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I think Ryan Watts is, it's also coming from the boundary position.
0: All right. And then one other super chat real quick guys. Reese Lewis says, Jerry, help me understand why kids go to A&M over Texas. Is it money? Does the city of Austin feel too big for small town, Texas kids?
1: Well, I think there's I think there's been some kids in the past that have chosen Texas over A&M because of the city of Austin. Some kids have chosen A&M over Texas because they like the smaller college atmosphere. I, I think that's kind of what the cool thing about recruiting is uh, in following this is these kids sometimes don't make decisions for some of the reasons we think they do. You know, a small town kid in East Texas might feel more comfortable at a smaller college environment. It's a, It can be as simple as that. Um there's some kids that like the big city of Austin and everything it has to offer outside of when they're on the football field, um, so I think it has to do with that. But I think, look, I mean, uh, the re- the re- the reality too is, I mean, in the last, I mean, look, Jimbo is. Well, I'm sure Paul uh, Paul Feinbaum will have a comment. I want to ask him about it. A and probably not going. They're not going down the right path with Jimbo now. But for the first four years, they were winning eight. Nine games. They had the nine and one top five season. They were getting some guys drafted while Texas is over there just swimming, you know, trying to stay afloat. That helps too. Yeah, I, I've got to. I got to say this. It's not every great player in the
2: state. As Paul joins us here and say, it's not every great player in the state of Alabama goes to Alabama either. Some of them go to Auburn for similar similar uh, discussion. Hey I, guys, we're getting ready to have uh, Paul Feinbaum on here. Um, It's a a treat to have him on. Uh, He is the voice of the SEC, in my opinion. Uh, His show is an unbelievable mix of intelligent, articulate, uh, well-sourced conversation with uh, people that know what they're talking about around the SEC. Uh, Then you mix it in with these fervent, uh, it goes from the craziest of crazy to the the most uh, intelligent of the intelligent uh, fans that call in and give you a, a sense of really what's going on in the SEC re- region. Uh, at times, it makes for high comedy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, laugh, I'm not gonna get about that. Uh, but it gets you gut laughing from the gut. I mean, it really does. Uh, so information, news, analysis each and every day on the SEC Network two to six. I am a longtime listener of this fan and uh, really uh, enjoy his uh, insight into college football. Uh, so, without further ado, let's uh, let Paul Feinbaum join the show here. How you doing, Paul?
3: Bobby, I, I've had great respect for you since I got in the business as as one of the true uh, gurus uh, in the industry. But but I've lost all respect for you a minute ago. You called our uh, the people that call in the Feinbaum show intelligent. I think <laughs> you need to have that <laughs> examined. <laughs> um, thank you. It's a, it's it's uh, it's an honor, really. To, uh, so so great to be on with you and and your colleagues here. Uh, and thank you for the invitation.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, so many questions I want to I ask you, uh, Paul. And the first one is this. Uh, where, what was your first, I just want to know your gut reaction when you heard the report, Texas and OU to the SEC?
3: Bobby, I, I'm going to go backwards for a second. The media day started on Wednesday, whatever it was. The previous Monday, like the week before I got a call, I was going on vacation from a friend, very plugged in, and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, I'm pretty sure Texas and OU are coming in the SEC. And I, I literally laughed out loud. I went on vacation and thought, maybe I should check that out. Um, but it's too preposterous to even, to even ask anyone. And it just so happened that I got back on Friday, and uh, Greg Sankey's number two guy called me about something. I think that I was just being extended or whatever at ESPN he wanted to congratulate me and I said by the way I got the craziest call the other day I mean just insanity uh he said well, "What about what he I said he, he said They're, you're going to announce at media days that Texas and Oklahoma are coming in the SEC and the guy did not say a word and I'm, I'm thinking this this is actually going then I was afraid to tell anybody because then I was going to get out of as the source it, it, I mean you're in one of those conflicts I was a reporter my whole life and now I'm I'm like, do I want to blow up at Media Days uh, with something that insane? So all week, all weekend long, I I I didn't really want to bring it up because I would. Then finally on on the Tuesday or Wednesday, I started getting uh, uh, you know texts from people going, you're you're not going to believe what's about to happen. And and even after I heard it, yeah, I still didn't believe it because I go so far back to you know 2010, 11 during that period when Texas was being wooed by the Pac-12 and. And all my Texas friends said, you know, we want we want to go west. I mean, we, we're really not interested in you folks. And I said, that's fine. Uh, we, you know, some we'll, we'll go grab A&M. Uh, you know, and uh, but but I, I after having said all that, uh, I have never been more excited about uh, anything in the SEC. Uh, I think it uh, it was simply the biggest moment that I that I've ever experienced. When the next week when the commissioner finally announced it. And you know, I mean, listen, I, I'm excited about Oklahoma too, but uh, there's just nothing like the University of Texas. Uh, Paul,
2: you saw uh, Texas firsthand this past weekend down in Alabama. Um, Texas fans really enjoyed their time in Tuscaloosa, not just at the game, Paul, but the lead up to the game. The the I, I went to Dreamland Barbecue on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you know the whole the whole thing, and and that's what Texas fans, I think. Have to look forward to not just at Alabama but across the SEC. But tell us a, about your thoughts on and Texas and Alabama. I heard a lot of people say it was one of the bigger games that's been uh, in Tuscaloosa in, in a long, long time from a non-conference perspective, especially.
3: Bobby, I think it's the biggest game since 2011 when we had a one versus two matchup between LSU, and that, that was literally the, the biggest game I've ever seen. LeBron James could not even get a box. I mean, he was like <laughs> he was scrounging for a seat in like the in. in, in in, in like the president's club, which, which by the way, does, is is not as impressive as it sounds. It's a couple hundred <laughs> people who sit and grab pimento cheese sandwiches. Um, I I I normally kind of go low key the night before the game because you know it's you don't know College Town. I may have said something that upset somebody. Uh, but a couple of friends of mine came up from Birmingham and we went out and we we grabbed something and we were walking back uh, to the car and, and we noticed people on the roof of a hotel just so happens to be a hotel owned by Nick Saban. And I I said, why don't we just, let's go up there. And they said, do you think we can get in? I said, we'll figure it out. Uh, We went up and as we were walking in uh, the lobby, uh, somebody waved at me and I walked over and there's this private room where where, uh, we're Greg Abbott and and his entourage. And, you know, he called us over. I mean, we're we're chatting. We we walk into the, the outside rooftop bar, which is all Longhorns. And listen, I, have been on wall street. Uh, I've been in Beverly Hills. Uh, and I don't know whether there are 60 or 70 people with a band. I've never been around more money in my entire life. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Me either. Me either. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's, there's SEC money. And then there was Texas money and, and I, we had a blast. I I mean, just back and forth. Uh, I mean, uh, I saw Del Conte walk out uh, to go to the elevator, the president of Texas. And, I mean, there were no Alabama people there, and 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 the, and the Texas people were just reveling in it, which I, I was really gratified to see because I wasn't 100 percent sure how this relationship between Texas people and Alabama people worked. I, I think the Alabama people were so intimidated that the Texas people would buy them out. They were nice to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you
3: have something for Paul?
1: Yeah, uh, Paul, we've had a, we have a lot we have a comment section, so people have a lot of questions for you, right? Sure. One of the questions is on Texas a and and Jimbo Fisher because I think they heard you talk about Jimbo after the uh, Miami loss and just your overall thoughts on the a and program right now. Kind of reiterate what you said because obviously Texas fans are pretty on cloud nine 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 right now.
3: Well, <laughs> I I made a vow just stay away from Jimbo as long as I could this year because it yeah. You know, it was all about Bobby Petrino. I, I think we we found that maybe they got rid of the wrong coordinator. Um, the defensive side of the ball it seems to be the problem now. But you know, my my theory that I that I espoused the other day was that it, as long as the Longhorns are down, Jimbo has a longer leash. But if Texas is really back, and guys, yeah. I think they are. You know more than I do. That puts so much more pressure. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been around A and M now for some time, and the dynamics, and you know, and and they they were feeling so great because you know they they left the Big 12, they left the Longhorns, they didn't have to live in that shadow. And then they they had such a phenomenal beginning. I'll never forget my first year at a, uh, at ESPN. The SEC network had not begun, and. <laughs> This is the reverse of how it usually works. They stuck me on college game day for the year. We, uh, just go, go, and and the third week of the year, where were we? We were in College Station, and I did this editorial about you know how this pro. This is the uh, this is with Manziel and Alabama coming in today. This is the it program in the state. You go down the road to Texas, and and Matt Brown is fighting for his job, and it turned out he lost that night. I think to Ole Miss, and it just it's just amazing to think about how little progress that program has made down there. Uh, And then the Longhorns come in and, and essentially, you know, take away their advantage of being in the sec. So I think they're at a tipping point. So uh, uh, impossible to predict week to week. I I don't think they're as bad as they look against Miami, but you know, with, with uh, Arkansas in two weeks in Alabama and Tennessee, I mean, that's a three game stretch. Uh, that will easily define Jimbo Fisher's future. And, and, you know, people say, what about $70 million? Well, guys, come on, uh, $70 million in Texas? Uh, that, that's, you know, what? That's, what you, that's what you settle up uh, after a round of golf. <laughs> <laughs> I, on some courses,
1: that's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is the interesting part because you mentioned that buyout. Um, one of the things that's happened because of all this realignment, Paul, not only has Texas gone to the SEC, but now you have, as a, as a result of that, Texas was vilified for that, by the way, in the national media, largely. Sure. But as a result of that, and you talked to Governor Abbott, and I, I spoke with him last week, SMU is now in a in a Power 5 conference, and Houston is in a Power 5 conference. As a result of Texas going to the SEC, now you have two other state schools, or schools in the state of Texas, in Power 5 conferences, and not only that, USC and UCLA have, have gone for the dollars. In retrospect, Texas looked like the villain out of the gate. Now, everybody just has calmed down, I think, and realized this is what it's all about, the money at some level, right? I mean, that's, where, that's why Texas and uh, Oklahoma wanted they wanted the bigger exposure. They wanted uh, the more money. That, that's what it's about at some level, right?
3: It is. And, and I think, I mean, listen, uh, te- we all knew uh, at some point Texas was going somewhere. Uh, I mean, they were on the, they were on the prowl, uh, whether, you know, West East uh, or North or South. And and I think they made the right move. I mean, Texas could have easily fit in the big 10. I mean, it's that valuable a brand, Uh, but, but I I think, I think the SEC is better for them. And that's just not, you know, some, I mean, I get, I get labeled, you know, I mean, I'll praise the SEC if it's, you know, if it loses every game Uh, that's not true. Uh, But I mean, Texas is a standalone. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I don't need to tell you guys that. The audience already knows it, but the SEC was was a natural fit. And I, I think the most important thing is that Texas is not slouching into the SEC. Uh, with what happened Saturday in Tuscaloosa, I mean, that just sent out a, a clarion call to everyone. And, you know, the jokes about Texas being back are overdone, but but this is the real deal. Uh, I mean, you didn't just make uh, Nick Saban look bad. You made him look old. Uh, you, you pushed him almost to like, you know, he he looked like a, a a you know a the heavyweight champion after losing to a challenger. I mean he could barely talk. I mean he's thanking, Saman, the greatest coach of all time, is talking about what a privilege it is after the game to play in a game like that. He's only played in nine million. What did he played in? Uh, uh, Ten <laughs> national championship games. Uh, one at LSU and and at nine. And How the, amazing eight, is that like, to say? Saturday night in September is a privilege to play in. He, he, it's the sense that he knows he's almost. It's almost over. Uh,
2: Paul, I, I tell you what, uh, just awesome to to talk talk with you. Uh, I I agree with you about the Greg San, about the, the move to the SEC. I think Greg Sankey is a forward looking commissioner. Uh, Mike Sly before him was as well. And in talking to the Texas brass up and down, they saw that the the solidarity in the SEC as well as the forward-looking nature of the conference. And I think that's what took them to the SEC over any other people. In talking to Kevin Eltyfe, there was no second place uh, in the SEC. For for Texas, and Kevin Eltyfe is the chair of the Board of Regents of Texas, there was no second place. That's where they wanted to go. And and for all the reasons you just stated, the people, uh, the uh, ideas, uh, I think that's where they wanted to go.
3: And I think you saw, it. if you go back two years ago, uh, all the noise that A&M made, uh, you remember the John Sharp, the, the chairman right. of the trustees. And that, that was, uh, by, by Saturday, it was over. Uh, Greg Sankey, you know, buttoned it up. Uh, ver- you juxtaposed that versus what we just got through watching uh, in Tallahassee. I mean, I, I I used a very old reference the other day. A lot of my friends didn't know what I was talking about, but Bobby can relate. I mean, it reminded me of the, 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 the toga party in, in animal house, the late, the late seventies movie where, the, where everybody just goes crazy uh, on the college campus. Uh, you don't do that. That's not how you get into the Southeastern conference, by openly uh, speaking out against your league. I mean, by the way, I mean, I, I don't blame them for being unhappy in the ACC, but, but a and A&M didn't go that route. They talked, they talked for a couple of days and they shut up, you know, they didn't want Texas in uh, and, but they, but it was a unanimous vote As as crazy as that sounds. Uh, and, and nobody said another word since then that that's how the SEC operates. Can, can you always hold that together? Maybe not. Uh, but that's, that's the magic and, 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 and magistry of Greg Sankey right now. I've got to, I've got to ask you, have you ever said hook them before, Paul? <laughs> I, <don't>, uh, <laughs> I, I, I still have trouble. Uh, I got, I got in trouble two years ago and you guys may remember it, uh, at Fayetteville when, when Texas played there, uh, we, we do picks on the SEC nation show and I grabbed the, the, uh, Texas helmet and threw it into the ground. And the next thing you know, uh, now Arkansas won that game and I get, I, I did a horns down, whatever. Uh, I didn't even know how to do that. I mean, I, I'm not, my, my, my hands are. Uh, so, uh, so what, what did, uh, what did uh, Chris Del Conte do? He sent ESPN a bill for $375. For <laughs> and, and I'm trying to figure out if throwing, if a 138 pound guy throwing a helmet into, a, into a driveway is going to do damage. What's a, 390 pound lineman going to do when he crashes into the quarterback's helmet. So, uh, Hunter, your did, uh, did offer to pay us back the money. Um, and if anytime I wanted to do it, but I, I saw Del Conte and Destin and he, he, he laughed about it. I mean, I really do like him very much. Um, but, uh, I, I can learn how to do it. I know I gave you a long answer. So what do I do? <laughs> just like this. <laughs> two, just, two uh, fingers up and say,
2: hook. Em. there you <laughs> go.
3: them. <laughs> <Hook> <laughs>
0: Everybody just screenshotted that, I guarantee you.
1: <laughs> hey, Paul, thank you so much, man. Uh, Thanks it's very much, Paul. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: best no, best of luck
2: worry. with your no. show. Or remember, two to six on ESPN. Paul, you're the best. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it again sometime soon, man. Take I care of yourself. It. All right. Appreciate All right. it, guys. Thank All you. Paul. Later. All right. So that's Paul Feinbaum, uh, the voice of the SEC, guys. Uh, what a pleasure to have him in on the show. Always entertaining, never fails to. Uh, to uh produce uh, some good old laughs and chuckles blake uh blake what do you got for us next how
0: are we going to top that is what i want to know i don't know we got, we got a lot of questions that we need to get to i don't even after that i don't even remember where we were normally i kind of bookmark my place as i go down but i've lost it now all right guys uh we, we do have a couple of uh super chats we need to catch on for sure and uh, I'm going to start with a comment one from Joshua Montoya. He says, Bobby needs a T-shirt that says, let's be clear. So, <laughs> if somebody out there makes shirts, sure you can hook him up for sure. And then we have one from Aloha Traveler. He says, hey, fellas, hello from Hallstatt, Austria. That's awesome. Does this defense allow for more room for games where Texas comes out flat on offense? Absolutely.
1: Yes,
2: that, for sure.
0: That is the whole point. I mean –
2: when I, we've been using this term defense travels. Oh, Aloha traveler, by the way, uh, defense stays at home too. And so you're not going to have, I don't think, a game where the Texas defense comes out and Texas all of a sudden is down 17 to nothing. I, I just, not early, unless there's a turnover, stuff like that. And so I absolutely, it allows for Quinn Ewers probably to get used to the game speed. Uh, to, to like what Stark did. I mean, I, I just love the game plan Stark had in Tuscaloosa where he got Quinn Ewers in rhythm and then the intermediate and deep stuff started uh, availing itself to Texas. And Quinn was in rhythm enough that he could then start attacking them. So I, I could not agree more that the defense allows for, for more room uh, for the Texas offense. I, I completely agree. Maybe they, they miss a couple third and ones, a uh, fumble, things are going to happen in football. I mean, it's the way it is,
0: uh, but uh, I, I definitely agree with that. And then we got one other Super Chat, guys, that we're going to knock out real quick, quick. This one from Drew Elm. He says, if you were Sark, would you rest Baxter this game?
1: If if he's if he's not very close to 100%, yeah. I mean, I would. Uh, but, look, the the reality is he's a young back. If, uh, if he's close enough to 100%, the play experience still matters. I mean, he's not an experienced football player yet. He's come in and been tremendous, exceeded expectations, even though he was an early enrollee. But if he's healthy enough to play, I think you'll see him play because they still have to get him more experience headed in the Big 12 play with some now having some really nice goals in front of him after
0: Saturday. Hey, here's an interesting question, guys, that just now got asked. Uh, Austin says, what schools have been affected the most negatively From the new NIL rules and laws. Boy. um, Other than. FSU.
2: And um, Miami. In the ACC. I think it's the ACC schools guys. Um, Because. Michigan Ohio State. Even though they're not. Out there. Talking about it that much. I think they are. Talking about it. You know what I mean? And so. The North Carolinas, Virginias, the Boston—not that those teams were ever national powers—I definitely think they take a second seat now. To, I mean, Kentucky, right? Uh, Ole Miss, uh, and so I, I think that's of all the schools that, and then maybe, maybe also the Pac-12 and parts of the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve. Um, it's going to be hard for the Kansas States, uh, the Oklahoma States. Uh, uh, those kind of schools, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, to really keep up in that, in that category. They just don't have the fandom uh, and the um, uh, fan uh, experience that, that wants to really uh, make sure they have a great football team.
1: Seeking
3: the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties.
1: With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.
0: All right, guys. Justin Crowford says, Do you think that weather will be a factor on Saturday? Of course, y'all talked about it being rainy earlier, but you think that plays into the game plan? Absolutely.
2: I, I think there's no question that uh, it can be. I don't know that it will be. Uh, they, they've done a nice job. Texas uses field turf. So it won't. it's not like it'll be super slippery no matter what. Um, the worst ones are actually when it's just been lightly raining and there's a little bit of slipperiness, but not everywhere. And so the players can't really understand what the turf is going to do. That, that would be the bigger issue. And then obviously uh, it's sometimes harder to throw the ball in a torrential downpour. But they don't expect that. They expect scattered thunderstorms. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know that it'll be a big one, uh, Blake, at all
0: in that regard. Uh, and then, Bobby, you talked about Wyoming's quarterback uh, earlier and him being an impact player. But Zachary Delgado asks, how well does the Wyoming secondary match up with our wide receivers?
2: Well, that should be the biggest uh, mismatch in the in the group, guys, of, of everything, really. And so um, Texas has the best group of receivers they've had ever. I, I mentioned that at the outset of, of this season, and I still believe that. Um, and so you, you look at that group. And Wyoming does not have a guy in the secondary that's expected to be in the NFL. Uh, And Texas has at least three guys, maybe four or five, that are expected to be in the NFL. That is the big mismatch. At the same time, um, and me and Paul Wadlington are going to talk about this today on the tail of the Tape uh, that's later, Uh, they have a good tackling, solid tackling team. They're going to try to keep everything in front of them and make Texas earn it. They're going yes. to try to stop the run and make Texas earn it. If they throw a 20-yard pass, they throw a 20-yard pass. They don't want it getting over the top of them in quick scores. And so they're going to protect their secondary in that way in large in, in large
0: part. All right, guys, we've got a super chat here from Bo. He says, I believe with Quinn at the helm in this defense, this team is just getting warmed up. Thank you, Bo, for the super chat. And then Nathan asks, who is the pl- who is the player on the team like Roshan last year that can wake up the team by making a big play? I think that's a great
1: question. I'll tell you who it's going to it's slowly becoming is Ethan Burke. And I say that because there's one thing I noticed in the Alabama game. And that one dr- that drive where Alabama scored to make it 27-22, 20, then they made the two-point conversion. Ethan Burke was extremely vocal to his teammates. That's a young player that's now getting a voice. His play is allowing him to have a voice. He's a confident guy. We had him on this show way back after he committed to Texas. You can find that in the archives. But Bobby, he was confident athlete at that time. And now he was, and I say confident athlete. Now you're seeing a confident football player emerge. And he's a guy who is hyper competitive and he's gonna have a voice the more plays he makes. Hey, I've got two things. I got two guys also,
2: uh, based on what Sark said on Monday at his presser, Jerry. Byron Murphy and Jalen Catalan. He he said, yeah. as those two go, the team goes a little bit. I, I I worry that there may not be that player on offense quite yet. Quinn hasn't done it enough yet, right? Whereas Roshan has proven was a senior doing that a junior and senior multiple years in the program. I worry a little bit. There's not that guy on offense. And so that, that is Nathan. That's the, that's the question I would have.
0: Okay. then we'll follow that question up with Cardinal player sixes. He says, do y'all think having somebody like AD who has been in big games and had big wins will help try and keep these guys head on straight?
1: Well, I I think that's interesting. It kind of goes to Bobby's point. Um, You know, I think A.D. AD Mitchell has been there. He's the one guy who's been there. He's climbed the mountaintop, right? Um, So I think there's something just, you know, it doesn't have to be vocal on a football field. It can be in a locker room. It can be the guys are talking. You know they ask. You know they have conversations about those Georgia teams winning national championship. And I'm quite sure A.D. Mitchell has some some really good thoughts about what made those teams successful outside the talent. And then here's the other thing he missed. A.D. Mitchell's in a unique position, guys. He missed three quarters of the season last year with an ankle, ankle sprain. And when you're sitting on the sidelines, you watch a lot more. You're more observant about the day to day and things in a game. Uh, I I suspect that he has some really good comments inside that locker room, even if you don't see it vocally or talked about publicly.
2: I, I Look, I think that that's part of it, Jerry. I, I think that now Texas has got 85 guys that have been in a big game and won. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they certainly have to prove it week after week, but they've got 85 guys now that went on, the, or I, I guess 65 is the travel roster. Uh, that went on the road and won. And so I think that that's going to permeate a little bit. Now, at the same time, the keep your head on straight, that that's that's the one that we got to worry about. It'll, it, and it always will be with guys that are 18 to 22 years old. Um, and and I will say this, that's something that's different than Wyoming, who's coming up on Saturday. Wyoming has a host of guys <laughs> that are 23 to 25-year-olds on defense. They're not going to make a lot of mental mistakes. They're going to tackle hard. They're going to play hard. Texas is going to have to overcome that with talent and execution as well.
0: All right, guys, we're going to stay on the wide receiver uh, point here for a second. Drew Em says is Naor being saved in case of injury to Worthy or Mitchell? I thought we would see more of the big wide receiver.
1: No, I think he's. I think he's still getting his confidence all the way back. Um, honestly, and it's not has nothing to do with running a vertical route and making a play over his shoulder on a post route. It has to do with. You're in an attached coverage situation, and you have to plant that leg really hard and create separation. Drop your butt, plant that leg hard, push off that knee, and create separation. I still think that is the things that these guy receivers go through after they have an ACL, especially big receivers. They carry more weight. They have more body to drop. They have more pressure to put on that knee from an athletics uh, standpoint. But I, I I made a prediction earlier and I'm sticking with early in the week and I'm sticking with it. I think Isaiah Naor is going to score a touchdown against Wyoming. I, I think Sark's a very thoughtful guy, and I think he understands just how big the moment would be for what Naor went through last year. He left Wyoming, he came to Texas. You know he got grief from teammates. Um, but he, for him to come back off a really tough injury when he was about to have a big time year last year and have a chance to make a play against Wyoming, I think it's going to happen guys.
0: I agree. All right. David Williams. He says, Jerry, I know the NFL covets, uh, covets, Alfred Collins size, athleticism and potential considering his possible lack of production. He currently has one assist to tackle one hurry, one pass block. Is it likely he returns to Texas?
1: I don't think it's likely. Um, I, look, if he gets a, if he comes out of the season with a third round grade, I mean, he needs to go pro. I mean, I, I, I think it'd be a mistake to come back. You're four years through college. You've stayed relatively healthy compared to a lot of guys on a position where you can get a lot of injuries. Um, if he's a third round pick, I mean, just look at where the money's at nowadays. He better go. It's, I, Texas, I, it's Texas' job to replace him with good players, not and, and his and job. I agree. So, that is the that is the
2: thesis of building a program. Yeah. Exactly what Jerry. It's not Alfred Collins's job to save Texas. It's Steve Sarkeesian's job to recruit and build the depth of talent necessary to sustain success. And putting it on Alfred or any of any player at Texas is the wrong way. That being said, Jerry, the other thing that I think with Alfred Collins, you meant you said he had been relatively healthy. He did have a shoulder injury. Right, you don't want to have two no. shoulder injuries going into the NFL draft.
1: Now, now and I, don't, I don't care what round you're you're expected to go at. Now, now, there's some comments that Alfred maybe he hadn't made plays in a box score. I I don't know. I, I think that I think the scouts have liked what they've seen from the role Alfred's been called upon, and I think that's two different things. The way the NFL scouts look at something and the way maybe uh, the fans and media might.
0: Okay, He'll have his his moments. We have a uh, couple more Super Chats we need to get to. This first one from Sean. He says, Bobby, don't worry about complacency. I trust the mental makeup of the mechanic, Murphy, Ford, and especially Catalan. They will keep the team in line. All of those guys, I agree with you. They're all on defense.
2: Just remember that. Those guys are all on defense. So the offense has to show they're not complacent. Because they're the ones, in my opinion, defense travels. The offense has to has to be in sync. They were not against Rice. Now, clearly, they weren't trying to beat Rice like they had skilled or that like they had schemed up Alabama. But coming up against Wyoming now, we're going to see them again. Let's see what happens this weekend against a better defense than than what Rice had.
1: Hey, hey, Blake, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer one here. Um, Jose Rodriguez asked about would you rank remaining recruits left on the board based on need, want. I have uh, Brandon Baker, one, right tackle with Christian Jones departing. We'll see what Cam Williams does year three. I think Brandon Baker is a big recruit for Texas right now. Um, uh, so he's a tremendous natural pass pro guy at right tackle. Um, you know, I have uh, I have Ryan Wingo, too. I, I think with A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy leaving, especially A.D. Mitchell, you don't know uh, what Isaiah Naor is going to do after this season. Um, I think Ryan Wingo uh, is a big one. I think Kobe Black, Ryan Watts leaving. Texas has nice, really talented young corners. You want to keep stockpiling that. And I think Kobe Black is a very talented boundary corner that could also get a look at field because Terrence Brooks, they, they've they looked at him at both, and there's some similarities there. Uh, then I, I have a surprise at fourth. I have Weston Davis, offensive tackle from Beaumont United that's committed to Texas A&M. I think his upside at left tackle is – getting higher and higher the fur- further he goes away from basketball and the more he starts to really focus in on football I uh, like Weston Davis um and, and I think five's kind of a tie you know Wardell Matt Corian, Gibson you want he, ideally you want to flip one of those guys that can be a corner that has some uh, defensive back versatility all right I, I would be a little
2: different I'm just telling you I, I would go Wingo uh, first given the, the the likelihood of Texas losing so many receivers. And then Kobe Black, because i tell you what, uh, Ryan Watts is gone next year. Um, Kobe Black is a physical big corner. He fits. Like what I love about what Texas is doing right now, they have recruited guys that fit schemes, Jerry. They have done that really well if you think about it. Uh, And that would allow them to continue in, in in that
0: vein. Okay, guys, we got a super chat here from Tim Salinas. He says, do you see more rotations at safety moving forward? Well, I definitely think they want to get Derrick Williams on the field more. That, that's going
2: to happen. It didn't happen against Alabama because they, look, they didn't want to give up one over the top and they did. They they kind of gave up two over the top, right? So they're not, they weren't going to risk that. He played uh, liberally in uh, the Rice win. He will play liberally, I believe, against uh, Wyoming, where they can't really beat you over the top as easily they don't have the guys that run 4-4 across the board like Alabama did, right? Um, and so that's where you're most concerned about a safety getting be, getting you beat. Uh, that being said, uh, you're also going to see B.J. Allen, I think, a little bit, Michael Taft uh, as well. Uh, Jalen Catalan and, and and Keaton Crawford about split reps 50-50. Um, so we'll see how that goes moving forward. I, I really think they're trying to keep Catalan. Healthy. I was going to say, I was hoping you were going to say that because that's In- not a –
1: Player comparison, that's a – Texas has a long-term goal this season with Jalen Catalan and also trying to help his future. Let's be real; he's had two major surgeries as a college player. He was a freshman All-American, and the only reason he hasn't been an All-American, an AP All-American, is because he's been hurt a couple of years. I think Texas is doing a great job with Jalen Catalan, uh, getting him enough snaps to help Texas be a much better team, but also helping Jalen Catalan's future. Give him a chance long term, because that guy will beat his body up because he plays with no regard for his body, Zero. which makes him a great player.
0: Uh, Brandon Huey says, "If is Anthony Hill the early season favorite for newcomer of the year in the Big Twelve? I haven't studied enough, uh, but he's. I mean, if he's not one A, he's got to be one B. I haven't
1: studied enough of any other freshman right now, uh, but if he's not one A, he's got to be one B. Well, newcomer also includes transfers." Yeah, yeah. Um, the the running back, at,
2: I think the running back at Kansas State would be one, but I haven't looked at his stats. Yeah, um, but I look. Anthony, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I know this much: he's he's the newcomer of the year on the Texas defense, along with well Jalen Catalan, I think Ethan Burke showing up like he has those two guys, Hill and Burke. Just I, I can't. We're two weeks in; they fundamentally change the look of your defense. Texas has guys that can get after the passer now. Yeah. Whereas before, Baron Sorrell was doing it pretty much by himself from the outside. Now they've got two more that that also are going to, I mean, they're, you're going to see guys start to chip on Ethan Burke. I just want you all, that's going to give Byron Murphy some free run at the quarterback on the interior. If Ethan Burke keeps
1: piling up sacks and, and getting pressures. Hey, For newcomer of the year, somebody brought up, A.D. Mitchell. I totally agree with this on A.D. Mitchell. Here's why I agree. Um, he was the newcomer of the week last week. I think he'll, I guess, was freshman. Here's why A.D. Can, Mitchell can win that award. There's games at Kansas against Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas Tech coming up, amongst others. This guy's been a big game hunter in his career. He just had two touchdowns against Alabama. If he goes and makes some if he catches twelve touchdowns this year and ten of them are those type of games, and he has forty catches for six hundred, he's probably going to walk away with the award. Honestly, because he's, he's got makes has a penchant for making big plays and big games. He's got a penchant for making for scoring touchdowns. He's got three in two games.
2: Yep. I mean, and he's been wide open on all three of them. And he's doing I mean, that. It wasn't. I mean, the, the the two against Alabama, he was wide open against yeah. Rice wide open it's not like he's barely making those I mean so what what you know if that
1: translates long term I mean that's that's a good good sign for Texas I've never caught a football two national title rings on but I figure it's a little harder than when you don't have them on
0: (laughs) all right guys so this, this answer is going to take a little speculation, but SJ says, good morning from Mumbai. Once Texas joins the SEC next year, will we be guaranteed to play our main rivals, mainly OU and A&M, and maybe even Arkansas every year?
2: Not yet. They haven't come out with that yet
0: um, is the answer.
2: Uh, that is the thought, though. That is the, the prevailing thought. That probably would have been a great uh, question for Paul, to be honest, um, since I think he has the pulse of the SEC commissioner. Much better than I do. I I I feel like we have a good pulse of what's going on internally at Texas. Um, so I, that I think is the hope slash idea for Texas uh, going forward. I'm not sure that it's been agreed to quite yet.
0: All right, let's do some recruiting related questions for a minute, guys, because we got plenty of those. Garrett Smith says, "Has talks with Jordan Anderson progressed after the B- Bama momentum?"
1: I haven't heard anything new there. Um, the question is, Is if Texas were to win out for Wingo, do they take another high school receiver? Uh, because, you, you know, look, the reality there is if Ryan Williams is trying to reclassify to 24 as we know he is, that's going to be a long drawn out recruitment. Um, you don't want to take yourself out of that. Um, but then there's also the portal. So Texas will have a decision
0: to make there then, Elaine Roker says, "If Kobe Black keeps getting bigger, will he stay at corner?" And I know you touched on this before, Jerry, but we've had it asked a few times since.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think he is. I mean, look, Ryan Watts is what six two and a quarter, two ten, two oh seven, two ten out there. Kobe Black's, you know, six one and a half, probably one ninety five. Now he's close to two hundred pounds. You lose some weight in the Texas heat when you're playing both ways in high school football. Um, so he's going to be a six, you know. Button up next to 6'2", and probably 205, 210-pound guy. He can definitely play corner at that size, especially because he's got really good feet. He's really patient. He's got a calmness playing that position about him. I want to say this about Kobe Black. He's more of a natural corner than Ryan Watts is.
2: And, and Watts is a more natural safety in my position, And my my feeling long-term. Kobe Black plays corner like he's just a little bit different guy. Jerry mentioned his feet. That's a lot of it. Flexibility is a lot of it, too.
0: Uh, William Neese asks, will Texas go after defensive tackles in the portal during the offseason? Well, it depends on if they find a
1: fourth in the high school level they like. I mean, look, the reality is, I mean, True Carter hadn't been healthy. Obviously, he's wearing the big left knee brace. Uh, Sadir Mitchell's a young guy. Jare Bledsoe's starting to come on. Aaron Bryant can anchor against the run. Uh, you have De'Andre Robinson and Alex January's early role, enrollees coming in in December. Um, if they find if they find a fourth in the high school ranks that they really like, that would be more of a disruptor guy, guy that can get up the field a la Dre Bledsoe type of guy, then uh, they might take that guy. Uh problem with finding D tackles in the portal is there's not a lot that you actually want that, or the level you want because the reality is if a I call him retired war daddy. A former five star recruit jumps into portal. May not be the guy you want. Texas passed on a really talented player last last spring in the portal.
2: I think they do take one in the portal. I think I think they're going to be forced to, because I think so many are going to go pro. Yeah,
0: good problem to have. But yeah,
2: Zach Zachary. It's, it's, it's Steve Sarkeesian's job to make yeah. that
0: make that uh, fill that void. All right, Jerry, this should be a quick answer. I can't remember, but is Simmons an early enrollee?
1: Yes, he'll be sacking people in the spring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, and then uh, East 8 says, Question for Jerry in recent memory. Do you like anyone's high school film at running back better Ooh. than Jordan Davison? I'm blown away by his skill set, his burst, change of direction, power, feet. How is he not a 5 star?" The last
1: part I can't answer.
0: Um, he, probably, he probably hasn't gone
1: to the combine and put up combine testing numbers to kind of, for people to kind of check that last box. Um, but I, I agree with you. safe now this is a extremely instinctive running back with a great natural running back build. What I love about Jordan Davison is one is vision and the guys with cutback vision. They, they appeal to me, but He's got, the, he's got the short, quick, choppy feet in the hole. Jump cut, skip cut, get small, boom, boom, boom. And out in open space, he still has those short, choppy feet to kind of give you a little head and shoulder. But he can also extend his stride out just enough. I don't think he runs 4-4, um, but I think he's fast enough. I And the other thing with him, those natural running backs, they change the ball outside arm to outside arm in runs, taking on contact. That he, he appeals to me. He's got a lot of things that appeal to me as a natural, instinctive running back, along with contact balance. Bobby, I don't know if you've watched much of Jordan Davidson yet. I did. I,
2: I've watched him. I, you told me the other day, "Hey, go watch this guy." And so I, I, I spent about half an hour going through his film. I uh, look, I love him. So I, I is there one better uh, than Jordan Davidson? Maybe. Um, I, I'm just telling you, I, I still love Christian Clark, um, young man that's committed to Texas right now. I don't know why he's not rated wherever he's rated, but uh, if if I were in charge of those, he would be rated much higher. I'll just put it that way. I, I think that he is a hard-nosed runner that has acceleration, will break tackles, has great feet. Go watch. I mean, there's just not much out there of him as a senior. I mean, like one play is all there is. But his junior film uh, kind of it, it made me stand up a little bit. I agree, I agree with that.
1: I agree. And I think there's some similarities between those two yeah, guys. There are. They bounce off of people. Yeah. Very similar builds. I mean, great yep. thing with Christian Clark, seeing him at Bergstrom Airport in person, um, I was going to go out and see him this year, kind of waiting to see if he's going to come back and play um, with the knee, coming off the knee injury when he's going to play. But he has some real strength from his hips through his thighs. Those Those guys, they have a good contact balance, and people tend to bounce off their hips and thighs. They run through arm tackles. Arm tackles don't take them down.
0: Yeah. Uh, We'll go a couple more recruiting questions before folks send back on the team before we wrap it up. Jeff Calloway says, Jerry, how much does having Ohio State and Michigan on the non-conference schedule play in recruiting against our foes in the SEC? Do you think if, or do you think it gives us the edge?
1: I I don't know about the edge, but I think it's just another feather in the cap moving forward. Now it's a tough schedule, but it's marquee games. And you just saw what happened with the marquee game. There's a really, I would say there I haven't looked at the college football schedule for next year, but I'm betting there's a decent chance college game day's in Ann Arbor next year when when Texas rolls up to Michigan. I mean, there's going to be a decent chance that happens, right? I know Michigan loses a lot, but if Jim Harbaugh's still there, see starting a Texas quarterback next year. But there's some things that I think will lead down the path of college game day being in Ann Arbor. Those are always huge. Huge recruiting opportunities. And if Ohio State and Texas are both really good, college game, they will be at one of those games. I think that adds a different experience and a different level to it uh, nationally. And I think that that's the great thing about where, to his point, Jeff Calloway's point, I think where he's going with this is Texas is already going to be playing in the SEC. They're already going to play Georgia and Florida next year. Then you have Michigan on top of it. You have a tremendous amount of marquee recruiting games coming in the next three years for Texas maybe more so than some other opponents in the SEC Bobby except hey now except the Florida schedule which in 2024 may be the hardest schedule in the history of college football I've seen preseason it is I mean Florida has Miami Florida State and UCF in their non-conference
2: they don't leave the state at least (laughs) <laughs> billy napier maybe
1: yeah <laughs> he may be that's a tough schedule <laughs> he may be on a boat to the bahamas by the end oh, yeah. yeah he may be headed southeast okay <laughs> that's a that is a tough ass schedule <laughs>
0: yes it is all right super chat here from ben jacobs thank you ben he says down the line can you give us a primer on high schools in the southeast that we need to know about moving forward for recruits and what makes each, each school unique.
1: Well, let's give Jeff Banks some credit now. He went right into St. Thomas Aquinas and got a punter. Um, and, you know, look, Michael Kern is uh, the going to be the next punter at Texas. I just said that for Ryan Nelson on this comment section, by the way. Uh, but, no, St. STA in Fort Lauderdale, if you can have a small presence there, that's big. Um, obviously, IMG, people know about that. You always want to have a presence there. Um, You know, other schools, that seems to change a little bit. I mean, it's easy to say, hey, go to Buford. Well, everybody in America is at Buford High School. That's not the easiest place to recruit to. Um, I think, you know, you want to have at least walk in the door at some of those places. And and one thing about Georgia, I'll be interested with this Texas staff there. I have said this before. There are more kids from the state of Georgia or top-level recruits from the state of Georgia that were guests of Alabama Saturday than any other state. And that's a big win. Kids in Georgia know the University of Texas. They haven't really seen Texas play. Okay? Daniel Calhoun was at the Texas spring game. You know, but that's different. Now you're going to have an opportunity to at least get more kids to your campus from the state of Georgia. But I maintain in Georgia, head south. You start south and work your way up into that Atlanta area. There's some really good undervalued talents in South Georgia, and and they're in more in they're in areas that maybe you can get a guy out of easier than going into Atlanta while Georgia's on top of college football.
2: I would add two areas: uh, I-10 uh, from Lake Charles all the way into New Orleans. Yeah, so get familiarize yourself with Marrero, Eric Shaw, um, Donaldson. Ville, even I mean, that, just all of those schools in there. Uh, any of the New Orleans schools, any of the Baton Rouge schools. Um, Then uh, I would also mention Orlando, right? Because Texas now has three guys in back-to-back classes just from Orlando, and they're not lightly, lightly recruited guys. Guys from Orlando go everywhere, yeah, right. They, don't play, they, and don't Tampa, and Tampa. Yep, and so uh i would i would watch for those two areas texas is uh, is making some hay there as long as tashard's choice stays on staff too i think yep. that's going to be a, a priority area too so those are those are two of them all
0: right guys we got time for just a couple more here we have a super chat from fresh prince 512 thank you for the super <laughs> chat he says considering the pressure to win the first game versus a next year i expect ut and AM to be aggressive in the portal a M's talent will be peaking in 2024. Will it? <laughs> I mean, if they lose their coach, how many of those players are going to stay? Well, we saw a mass exodus this. I, I, that's what I'm saying.
2: I mean, they lose another 30 in the portal. That they don't know if their talent's going to be peaking. I mean that that would be the concern if I'm an A and M fan for sure. I mean if if you if you change coaches, your NIL packages better be ready. I'll just put it that way because all of their relationships are gonna be toast because I can tell you they're not gonna keep anybody. A new coach wouldn't keep anybody. That that not on a program that that has had quote unquote culture issues the last two years. That, that those works. guys, those guys don't stay.
0: I'm in agreement with you, Bobby. All right, Jimmy Trevino with the last question of the day, guys. It's a loaded one. Get your prediction caps on. He says, seeing two games, adjusted predictions for most sacks, most receiving touchdowns, most rushing touchdowns, and most interceptions. He's also drinking Texas pecan this rainy morning in Houston. I,
1: I think that's a great question, okay? I'll start off so Bobby can correct me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... I, um. Most sacks, I'm actually going Anthony Hill. And I think the reason I'm going Anthony Hill is Ethan Burks' emergence. People are going to start game planning for him. Baron Sorrell obviously is going to make his plays. I think I think you're going to see Alfred Collins and Jere Bledsoe continue to push the pocket uh, in their roles. I think that leaves Anthony Hill in a pretty good spot. I, I think the better this front plays – The more people, the more teams have to prep. Okay. This Ethan Burke guy, even if he doesn't start, when he comes into the game now, I think that's going to afford some really nice opportunities for Anthony Hill in situationals. I think he could rack up eight, nine sacks this year and not have a ton of rushes uh, because I think the players around him right now, most receiving touchdowns, I'm going with AD Mitchell. Um, I, I think Alabama sending a double Xavier Worthy was kind of eye opening to me. And I'm if I'm AD Mitchell, I'm over there doing this. I like <laughs> development. Throw to him early, Sark. Keep throwing him early. Just, just get this get this going, and then I'm going to rip down the field. Um, I, most rushing TDs. That, I, that's a tough one. I'm going Jonathan Brooks right now. I mean, um, and most ints. Um, I, 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 I'd be totally just blind guessing, but I'll go with Jade Barron on that.
2: I think that's fair. I, I went sacks. I went Burke, uh, receiving TDs. I went Mitchell, uh, rushing TDs. I went Brooks. It's no, no mistake that those three are the team leaders currently in those categories, by the way, uh, I, I believe, and then interceptions I'd go with, uh, Jalen Ford. Not only did he get one in the first game mm. of the season, but he got his hands on a second one against Alabama too. Um, and if that pass rush—that's the thing—if uh, that, if that pass rush happens, and it's going to get the uh, it's going to get the linebackers getting the passing lanes more opportunities than they've had in years past, uh, as well.
1: And that's the reason I like Barron is if the Texas pass rush continues, the quarterback's going to be looking to get it out quick.
2: Yep, I and agree. If he's
1: going to get it out quick. Barron's going to be in the best position for interceptions this season.
0: All right, guys, we got one more Super Chat. Just a comment real quick here from Colton. He says, Aggie decommit season is right <laughs> around the corner. So thank you, Colton, for the Super Chat. We appreciate it. All right, Bobby, Jerry, anything coming uh, down the pipe today that you guys think that everyone needs to be aware of?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve on the uh, takes the mic at uh, 11 o'clock today, 11, a little after 11, actually, 11.10, 11, 11.15. 11, um, and so if anything major comes out of that, we may end up doing a live stream here around noon. Otherwise, uh, Tale of the Tape with Paul Wadlington uh, comes out on schedule at at noon. And and then we also have Football Theory, where Ian Boyd and Rod Babers show that they are true football nerds. If you haven't watched the show, uh, please do. It's tremendous. Uh, And then uh, obviously tomorrow uh, we will be uh, back with coffee and football. I'll actually be traveling uh, and be in Austin for uh, the uh, live show from the co-op tomorrow from 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, long week uh, ahead for the Longhorns. Uh, very excited, though. Uh, the team right now uh, is in, in a situation that a Texas team has not been in, guys, in a long, long time. Uh, by going and beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa, it's just a different feel right now
0: uh, in Austin. Uh, hey, we did have a late super chat come in, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it, and then we'll wrap it up. This is from Nick Louie. He says, after two weeks of play, which Big 12 team gives Texas the most struggle?
1: I, so I think, uh, by the way, Corey J., Chris Ross is coming along really well. Um, for me, if I look at a team that can maybe take away Texas strength, it's K-State offensive line can take away the strength of Texas up front. Um, That might be the team I'm looking at, and they have a style of play that's consistent, um, and they play. I think their style of play plays to the new running clock rule in college football coach that could coach that style. So I say K-State is probably the one for me right now, uh, Bobby.
2: Uh, K-State and Kansas for me. The teams that have powerful sides of the ball, um, Kansas State is the one that is overall the most challenging, I think. Kansas, it looks like to me, uh, has a prolific offense potential. And a good secondary. Yeah, and a good defensive secondary. So those two, that combo could could tinker with what Texas wants to do a little bit. Uh, but those are the two uh, primary.
0: All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Of course, we want to thank Paul Feinbaum for coming on and joining us. We want to thank Prize Picks for sponsoring the show today. Uh, all of you for tuning in, of course, all of our super chats, we appreciate all of that. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button, ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. Don't forget, head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest and longhorn coverage. And unless y'all have anything else to add, we go. No, no, not
2: really. I, I want to say thank you to Paul. I was going to do that as well. Yep. Yeah. I, I just say thank you for him coming on. Uh, great show. I love to see him throwing up the hook'em. Uh, that was a personal favorite of mine. I hope that becomes a meme of some sort somewhere around the country or on Twitterverse or whatever you want to call it. Also want to mention we have a special going on right now for Inside Texas, $2 uh, for, uh, or excuse me, $1 for two months. Uh, each and every uh, person that's listening to this show, you get a special offer. If you use the promo code OTFIT23, that's OTF. IT23. Subscribe to InsideTexas.com now. Make sure you select the monthly offer, though. You have to do that to get the special deal. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, Blake, for everything today, buddy.
0: Hey, not a problem. And thank you all. And of course, again, thank everybody for tuning in. And so for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.